if we do that, we're going to come out this pandemic stronger. We're going to come out with a lot of these societal issues stronger. And we're going to have those human connections with people that will allow them to believe in themselves um, more than they previously did. And I think that right there is so incredibly important as we make sense of um, teaching and leading through a pandemic. and thanks for tuning in to this edition of Leading Through Unprecedented Times. And I am fired up for this episode. So excited to have Howard Fields with us today. I should say Dr. Howard Fields with us today because he is an award-winning, distinguished principal from the state of Missouri, NAESP's Digital Principal of the Year. I am so proud to have you on. Howard, can you take a moment, if you would, to introduce yourself and just to say hello to the audience? Hello everyone, um, Dr. Howard Fields here from the proud state of Missouri, St. Louis to be exact. I'm thrilled to be here. Tom, thank you so much for having me. Um, just a lot of learning that I've had, having the chance to uh, watch some of the podcasts before and then now I'm on here. So I just hope I can give back as much as those who have come before me and just have some fun today. So again, thank you for having me. Absolutely, well the honor is ours, my friend. And let's start with this. You know, when I look at the past, we look at the, the wrap up this past school year and all the educators went through, you know, there you were as a principal, our worlds were turned over, you know, overnight. Reflect, if you would, in that principal role of like, what were some lessons learned? Maybe some surprises, some things that came to the forefront and all that COVID put on our plates. What are some lessons for you? I think first and foremost, it just showed us how flexible we have to be in this profession. Uh, we can have a lot of things planned and some of those things work for us to do us best for our kids and take care of our staffs. But sometimes plans just go out of the window. And I think um, I remember it quite vividly. It was around March the 17th. It was spring break time. We were having great ideas in terms of what we were gonna do for our school, for our school community, for our staff. Uh, once we were to come back from spring break and then all of that just kind of went out of the window and so I think it's unprecedented times here in education but it's one where I think we realize how much human connections really mean to us not getting a chance to do the things that we take for granted such as you know the fist bumps the high fives the hugs uh, Tom I must admit I miss those I mean tremendously in our work because a, a hug or, or just a connection with someone can help you get through the day when we're doing this incredibly complex work. So I think we don't take those things for granted as much. I think uh, education, a lot of times we talk about change and, and being innovative, but more so how do we impact learning um, with the tools that we have. And I think it's forced a lot of individuals to have some conversations that many of us were having before, but it's certainly been illuminated because of the pandemic. Yeah, so well said. And you know, I think when I'm looking at what you were just sharing and reflecting, I think virtually every educator I talk to talks about that human connection. And yes, we can do things remotely. And yes, we can do some pretty innovative and neat things online. But they miss that peer to peer connection, whether it's with their own uh, colleagues, or especially with those students, as you were just mentioning, you know, you just talked about the learning piece. And one of the concerns that we've read about, that we've seen come up from parents and even from staff is around this idea for learning loss for students and what that looks like coming out of last year and going into next year. So 
what's some um, advice you have or some thoughts you have about those gaps? And we want to make sure, obviously, that those gaps don't increase. So talk to educators, if you could, about focusing on that learning loss or maybe not having that deficit mindset and what can they do? So talk to us about that, if you could. I think just based off some of the data that we were looking at on a national scale, um, it goes back to relationships. Um, I, part of the teams that I've been a part of, it's so critical to call our students, call our parents, check in. With blending learning happening, with remote learning um, becoming more and more prevalent in our work, um, when a student doesn't show up to a particular session online or when we're not connecting with someone, it's very uh, paramount for us to reach out and ask what's going on. How can we be of some level of support? Uh, we have to make the most out of our opportunities in front of students. I think Zoom and, and Google Meetup and, and Web at, WebEx, whatever the name is called, um, those things are, are very well um, for us to connect with folks. Having said that though, how are we putting our students in a position where they are obtaining information and they are able to take that information and move forward? The importance of priority standards are huge right now. The importance of drilling down and, and focusing on things. There were always, in the, in the school year, there were so many things that were like, okay, we'll get to this later, or students didn't get it, so we'll spiral back. Well, right now, we have to, with pinpoint accuracy, make sure we have some parameters in place for students to um, be successful with the content we put in front of them. And then I know we're not formally meeting in a lot of professional learning communities, but teachers and educators are still meeting, having conversations. What can we do better? How do we assist? Whether it's vertical uh, meeting or horizontal meetings, we have to make sure that we are doing everything we can from a learning standpoint for our students. And for me, it does go back to those relationships we have to build. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things when I when I look at states across the map, and there you are in Missouri, you know, states at this recording are all over the map in terms of guidance for the fall. And, you know, this episode will, will air far closer to the start of school or some places where hard to be get going. But let me ask you where we are in the summer as we, here we are recording this in June, looking towards the fall. What are some things that educators should really keep on the forefront? You know, we're hearing about social distancing. There's a lot of questions around, well, how can we do busing? What is it going to look like in a classroom? You know, as a principal moving to a new assistant superintendent role, and congratulations, by the way, what are some things you would recommend educators really keep on the front burner as they evaluate things for the fall? Having multiple plans and having multiple perspectives in those rooms where you're creating those plans. Um, in a best case scenario, none of our students, none of our staff members, none of our community members will ever get a chance to receive, and I say receive loosely, receive COVID-19 symptoms. Having said that though, in the event that someone was exposed to COVID-19, what are our communication structures sounding and looking like? What is our contact tracing? How do we make sure we're notifying folks? Um, if we need to shut down the school for a day, for a week, how do we ensure that learning can continue as best possible, um, but also making sure that we're keeping um, school and, and all of our community members safe? So a lot of the plans that I've seen, there, there's a lot of flexibility. There's multiple options. Um, we used to have this belief system that districts or counties, they were all uniform for the most part. Um, that notion is really going out of the window. It's going to be based off of our structure in-house, meaning district, 
or LEA that you have, but it's also going to be based off some of those resources that we may or may not have and making the most out of it. I mean, kudos. We don't give kudos enough to all of the um, educators that are working hard to do everything that they can. But this is a time where we certainly need those community members. We need those business owners to make sure they are collaborating with us because it's gonna take all of us. This is something that I think years and decades, we're gonna look back and say, we did everything we could for our students. And if we are successful, it's going to be a success that was based off of everyone having their hands in, in the pot or on the table um, working out for students. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. When we talk from Future Ready and looking at the framework, that's our community partnerships gear and how we have to recognize they are our children and not our being the schools, but our community's children and how can we support one another in those endeavors. So let's talk about supporting people. And I know you're a huge advocate for supporting teachers and making sure that they have the needed support to go with the changes that we're asking from them. So let's talk about professional learning. What recommendations do you have to support teachers at a time where their world educationally has been flipped upside down, what they've been asked to do quite often has been flipped upside down. How can schools and districts really best support teachers as we go into this new year? Well, looking at it from a human resource standpoint, our, our biggest resource are our humans, our individuals, it's people. And what I've learned, we've almost had to grant people permission to take care of themselves. Um, so I think all learning starts with adult learning. And with that adult learning, what conditions do we have put in place to force Tom to take care of himself? You can't pour from an empty glass. Having said that, let's go back to the data. When we're looking at some of those remote learning opportunities, when we survey our staff, our students, our community, what are those areas that we need to tighten up? Um, we use the term blended learning a lot, but um, is the structure really occurring in a blended capacity? Are we providing people, educators, students, an opportunity where the learning will continue whether they're in front of an adult or an instructor or not? And then from there, um, there are going to be some things that kind of organically come up that we're going to have to respond and be flexible to. I think um, those are some of the areas just for district and building leadership we take care of our people, we respond to the needs of the people, and then we go back to the drawing board to see how can we be much more efficient. We have to continue to partnership, not just with our community members, but schools and LEAs across the, the county, across the region, so that we can do what we need to do for students. Yeah, and, and diving into that even further, I know that you have been a founder of something in St. Louis, Black Males in Education St. Louis, and I want you to talk to us about that. You know, the, the research is very clear for especially students of color that have teachers of color that it, it shows it's, it's, um, it's so easy to see how, how much that benefits them. But when we know when we look across the board in terms of our numbers of teachers of colors, it's not near what it needs to be. And so talk to us about that organization, some of the goals of the organization how people can look out to that organization, because I really believe it's doing such great work. Absolutely. Well, uh, with my brother, Dr. Daryl Diggs, we co-founded BMESTL, and what we found was that Black male educators specifically, we, we shoulder so much in this role as an educator. Um, we want to be all we can for our students, for our homes, um, but a lot of times we're not adequately taking care of ourselves. We don't have an affinity group where we can discuss issues related to black men. And so there are BMEs, organizations across the whole entire country. Um, we've been working closely in the, state of, in the state of Missouri with our Kansas City um, brothers to just try to make sure 
What are we doing to support one another? One of the phrases you will hear often is your success is my success and vice versa. And what we found is through supporting and having a network of black men together, um, we're also able to do some of those things as our mission is to make sure we are focusing on recruiting, attracting, retaining, supporting, developing, black male educators. And so through the mentorship, we have gotten an opportunity to um, provide a few book scholarships, um, a few other things to make sure, as well as um, some of those mentor opportunities for educators who are coming through the system. But once you're in the system, how do we make sure you are supported, adequately supported? How do we make sure that we're working smarter and not necessarily harder and taking care of ourselves? Um, we found that BMESTL has been um, a spectacular feat in that. Um, BME, I'm sorry, BMEGKC through the Kansas City, but also um, Block. They are an organization in Kansas City. So statewide, we're really doing some great things, um, but also um, some of our brothers that are on the East Coast, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Midwest, Chicago, Dallas. I mean, we are all working together and forming partnerships and opportunities that I don't even know if it would have been available like this if it wasn't for the pandemic with remote learning and remote, remote networking happening with great regularity. We are now forced to have those conversations that would have previously taken place at a conference or something like that. And so um, for all educators, whether you're an educator of color or black educators, make sure you're tapped into these various different groups because that's a form of self-care I mentioned previously about giving folks permission to take care of themselves. Um, you need a team, you need an ensemble in order for you to have longevity in the field of education, especially right now with the pandemic. We have to be our best so that we can take care of our best asset and that being our students and our staffs. So if educators wanna find out more information on that, how would they do that? Um, you can visit bmestl.com, again, bmestl.com. Um, if you're not in the St. Louis area, we do have BME United, again, bmeunited.org. Um, and what that will provide is regardless of where you are in the United States, you'll be able to look at that map and you'll be able to see various different BME black male organizations uh, focused on the context of educators to support you and your work. And so um, I certainly hope you get a chance to join us. Um, if you're not a black male educator, but you believe a lot of the information can help you as you are tasked with supporting or developing black male educators, we welcome you to, to come and have conversations with us. We welcome you to join the various different newsletters and know what's going on with your regional, if not your local BME. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I had the opportunity to kind of switch roles here and learn from you just about a week ago at a, a webinar that you did that was completely sold out, jam-packed, filled to capacity. Um, and when I look at the, the topic around equity and just listening to you speak and talking to it, it's, it's an area that you're so passionate about. And equity is core to all of our work at Future Ready Schools. We talk about equity and access. We talk about equity and opportunity, you know, supporting traditionally marginalized groups. Talk to us about re recommendations that you have to support and I just I know you just did a full hour on it so in just a couple minutes and some recommendations that you have of how educators really need to keep that equity lens at the heart of all their decision making especially heading to this new school year absolutely you know what time as a black male I'm, I'm often reminded um, when I turn on TV trauma is occurring um, left and right for a lot of educators who sound and look like me 
And so I mentioned previously that as black males, we, we carry a burden as well as on black females and educators of color for that matter. And so with those various different things, um, when we look in society, when we look at current events, it's not uncommon to see the parallel between what's happening in society and what's happening in our various different schools. We all have great things that we do in schools, but we all have areas that we need to get better in. And quite often that includes servicing our black males, our black female population better. Um, regardless of what data point you're looking at, we are not servicing all kids and supporting all kids the same way. And so one thing that I'm incredibly passionate about is not just looking at our students. I, I equate it to a Petri dish and a mirror. Um, often in schools, we look at our most vulnerable students through the Petri dish, and it's like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with them? Let's find out. When really, when we turn that Petri dish over, it's a mirror, and that's when we have to start. We have to look at ourselves to see what's going on with our policies. Um, how is our bias showing up in all of these various different things? Um, it's not just the student. I mean, one of my mentors, Dr. Lynn Beckwith, said, our parents send the best student that they have to school. And it's up to us to make sure we do something else, a quote that I got, which is believe in our students until they believe in themselves. And in order for that to organically occur, we have to look at ourselves. And with that, some of our policies, some of our routines, some of our procedures really do fester and they allow for inequities, racism and all of that to um, continue in our school systems. And it's not a situation where we wanna take things personal and say, that's not my school, that's not my school. We're all in this together. But if we don't take a critical look and reflect on our practices and reflect on ourselves, then we're just going to continue to allow certain things to occur. And some of the things that we're seeing um, in society, a lot of that started in the school system, which is why there's such a sharp correlation between um, discipline rates of our black and brown students and then some of the incarceration rates um, once students are adults. So all of that is very complex. I, I recognize that but it does start with us looking at ourselves and having some very courageous and necessary conversations. Absolutely, and, and some powerful words, and I appreciate you challenging all of our thinking in those words. Because I gave the webinar a shout out, um, can you share where people can find that if they're looking for it? Absolutely, if you go to um, drhowardfields.com, again, drhowardfields.com, and click on presentations, you will see all of the various different presentations. The actual webinar that we are referencing right now. Um, it was originally a blog, um, Educational Asphyxiation, and then it turned into a webinar. Um, thank you to Dr. Terry Harris, the Rockwood School District. Um, they started a series called Say Something. Um, it's every Wednesday throughout the summer at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, I had a privilege of being one of the presenters, and during that time, this was the webinar that took place. And again, that was based off the original blog that you can also find at drhowardfields.com. Um, and I just hope you get a chance to look at it and then we can have further conversations. I want people to push my thinking and vice versa because that's the only way we're gonna get things better um, within our society. 
Well, for those of you listening to the podcast, I can reiterate it is a very powerful webinar, something you want to watch, but something you'll probably want to watch multiple times because it's going to force you to think deeply, which is something that's real important. And one of the things it'll also force you to do is actually take some action just because gazing at this stuff changes nothing. What are we going to do about it? And as my Angelo said, once we know better, we've got to do better. So a couple questions for you to remain here to, as we wrap up. You are a very humanistic person. You value people. You are constantly loving on people. The, one of the very first responses in this uh, podcast, you talked about the, the missing the human side. So help educators understand as we look towards a partial virtual uh, remote environment, whatever that might look like, how they can keep human connection really at the core of all of their work. I found that when I first became an administrator, um, I was so formal in, in my emails and, and I used to have staff members say, you know, it's just, it appears to be a deposition sometimes when you send an email. And I remember that, that was critical feedback. But what I found is um, our digital communication, it kind of starts there. Um, Tom, it doesn't take that, that long to, before you get into the content of whatever or the formal components of your email, it just asks people, how are they doing? And just check in. And, you know, if they gave you some other information, how is everything going with your father? Or how was your trip this weekend? We almost have to do that um, because we're not in a situation where we're engaging with everyone every single day. Um, there's some other things that, that we can do. Um, I've seen some incredibly um, creative ways to have some of those uh, relationship building things via um, Zoom or some of the, those other pieces. Um, but last and certainly not least, I think just genuinely caring about people. When you do that and you make it part of your day to make sure your, your staff, your students, your community is taken care of, um, you're going to organically allow certain things to occur and people can feel that when it's contrite or if it's not um, real, people can feel that as well. So when you really just sit back and understand that 15, 20 years from now, um, we're going to care about, we're going to continue to remember the people who care for us and the people who really had care in their work. Um, that's kind of how I want to be remembered by more than anything. And I think it starts with those emails. It starts with making the most out of it. And it starts with being vulnerable. Um, um, I believe I'm a superintendent here in St. Louis. Sharonica Harden gave some advice to someone and I was ear hustling and I kind of took it. And it's more so we're not going to treat people how they treat us. And I, and I think that's, that's so important as we continue to lead in this work called education. Yeah, some powerful words there yet again. So let me ask you one final question. And the, the thousands of people that we have listening to the podcast, so no pressure there, my friend, no pressure. We've got people that are superintendents. We have people that are teachers. We have people that work at state departments all across the board. What's one piece of advice, regardless of the role that they see themselves in as they start this school year, that you would give them? Be reflective, be vulnerable, um, and understand nothing can happen um, successfully without a team. Again, those things just come to mind right off the cuff. Um, we want to be vulnerable because none of us, we can say we have experience and a lot of us do have experience. I don't recall anyone having experience with a pandemic, so that's for starters. Um, be vulnerable because we are going to continue to uh, make mistakes. 
We have to reach out to folks. We have to admit when we're wrong. We, we have to do those things. There was a time when that was associated with weaker leadership. If you had to ask questions, if you didn't know anything, if you were in a meeting and you just frankly said, I didn't know, that was viewed upon as, as being um, weak or, or not being um, strong in your leadership. We, we have to remove those, those narratives and we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of our people um, because if we do that, we're going to come out this pandemic stronger. We're going to come out with a lot of these societal issues stronger, and we're going to have those human connections with people that will allow them to believe in themselves um, more than they previously did. And I think that right there is so incredibly important as we make sense of um, teaching and leading through a pandemic. That's Distinguished Principal of the Year, Dr. Howard Fields. Howard, thank you so much for being with, here with us today. We appreciate your time and value your leadership. Thank you for having me. And again, Tom, shout out to you and Future Ready, all the work that you've done. I know from St. Louis, when I need something, I can reach out and say, hey, what's going on on, national level? on the national level? And you're giving me that information. That means a lot. And I don't want to um, leave this particular podcast without saying that. So thank you so much on behalf of all the students that I serve. Well, team effort for the kids that we serve, my friend. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me.